This is the Today in the World podcast show for Tuesday, the 22nd of December 2020. I am your host, Uncle K, and in today's news, researchers have achieved sustained long distance quantum teleportation. The military is being used in the UK apparently to help the overwhelmed NHS service. The world's largest gold ETF is having trouble finding their gold, and the SEC plans to sue Ripple over the improper sale of XRP coins. Here's what you missed in today's news. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but I have been reporting a lot less on COVID-19 stuff, um, especially when it comes to the UK government and that sort of stuff, because there hasn't been many new developments. It's just been the same old boring, blame the government, the government is rubbish, they're killing us, lockdown doesn't make any sense, tier four doesn't make any sense, etc., etc. You know, I'm not reporting on it nearly as much as I could. Um, And the reason for that is because I don't want to just bring your vibrations down with constant negative news every day about how the government is lying to us. I'm only going to be reporting on stuff that I think is significant um, for planning for the future, in a sense. Um, And that's what this article here is about, because it's about the military. Um, So reporting from RT, they say the military is being called up amid fears that Welsh um, emergency healthcare services will be overwhelmed as new COVID-19 strains sees infection soar. So reporting from di- directly from RT, they say, the Welsh Ambulance Service announced on Tuesday that it would be drafting in more than 90 soldiers from the Royal Logistics Corps to assist in driving ambulance vehicles from Wednesday. Quote, we're proud and grateful once again to be working alongside the military in the collective effort against COVID-19, close quote, the service wrote in a tweet. Jason Killens, chief executive of the Welsh Ambulance Service, NHS, said, quote, The extreme pressure on our ambulance service in the last couple of weeks has been well documented, and it's why we've taken the decision to re-enlist the military, who did a superb job of assisting us earlier in the year, close quote. Now, if you're a smart person, you know the government can't be trusted. And that's why, my people, this is something that I think that we all need to be prepared for because I'm not really concerned about their excuses for why they're deploying the army, Army, you know. My concern is that the army is being deployed at all, you know. So the first time that we saw the army deployed, I think, was in Birmingham when they were helping the council to do COVID testing on a large scale, knocking on people's door one by one, asking to do COVID tests. And now it's ambulance driving. And so what I'm seeing is this trend to put the military on the forefront of these, you could say, less authoritative or scary roles, you know, that you would expect the army usually to be in. You know, they put them in these these passive roles, you know, where they're not they're not really showing their force or their might or their military strength in that sense with the civilians. They're, they're kind of making them seem like they're just there to help. But this is how it happens. You know, you give them an inch and they take a mile. So obviously, this is very concerning, especially as we are in wartime, you know, and I say that because it has to be said, it doesn't feel like a typical war or look like a typical war, but we know that um, this is a war. There's no other way to put it. The technology advancements, the, the trade deals going on between countries, the way that everything is shifting and changing politically and economically and socially, you know, this is an unspoken war, you know what I'm saying? And as they say, the revolution won't be, won't be televised. It's all happening in secret and behind closed doors. Part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast in the first place. Um, but I'll just end on saying that 
we need to now more than ever be aware of our constitutional rights under common law in the UK because, because it is um, it's obviously one of the few things that can help protect us from this government and the tyranny that it is deploying and will continue to deploy as long as we allow them to. While we are on the subject of the NHS, activists are actually raising the alarm now as the NHS signs an illegal deal with controversial US spy tech firm Palantir to handle COVID-19 patients' data. RT reports again that the British Health Service has signed a £23 million contract with American software company Palantir to manage COVID-related data far beyond the pandemic fueling fears over a huge privacy breach. A report published by media outlet Open Democracy claims that the UK government sneaked through the lucrative contract with Palantir. Quote, a secretive artificial intelligence outfit founded by a Trump-backing billionaire to avoid scrutiny or debate, close quote. The outlet also questions whether necessary legal procedures were followed to award the contract. Palantir is known for secretive work with organizations including the U.S. government and the U.S. Army. Tools developed by Palantir were accused of being biased and non-transparent in the past. Earlier this year, it was reported that staff at the Los Angeles Police Department were being trained to use Palantir's law enforcement tool to list personal data of anyone who comes into contact with police. The contract was granted under a framework which does not require a tender to be published. However, Open Democracy claims the government violated its earlier promise to conduct future contracts between the NHS and big tech via open public tender. It cites its own legal consequence, sorry, correspondence with the government and claims it assured them that any additional contracts would go out to public tender and that the COVID data store would be unwound at the end of the pandemic. Open Democracy has not published the correspondence in question. Quote, the government should just tell people about its plans for the NHS, explain the potential tech partnerships on the table and seek the public's permission before it's too late, close quote, said Mary Fitzgerald, editor-in-chief of Open Democracy. So it's not like we need any more reasons not to trust the government, but they just keep on dishing out more reasons for us not to mess with them, you know? My thing is all about independence, and we are actually coming to that time when, you know, they're just being so negligent and just don't, they're just showing, you know, this total unwillingness to care about what we want as people, that we have to seriously start considering, you know, as the people, how long or, or you know, if we're going to keep on taking this, you know, it's getting a bit ridiculous, let's be honest. They only get away with doing this sort of stuff because we allow them to, you know? Um, this type of company is not the type of company that I personally would want handling my personal information, having done a little bit of research on them. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, you know, what are our alternative options that we have as people? And if we don't have any other choice but to use the NHS with these um, tech companies that are handling our data, probably and most likely in illegal ways, then maybe it's time that we create our own NHS, working separate from the government until we actually have one that we can rely on. But it's up to us to make that decision and we can't be scared about it. It's either we're, we're 
we want our data to be manipulated and we want to be lied to, or we don't. It's not very hard. Okay now, so going over to coinmarketcap.com to look at the crypto numbers, we've got Bitcoin at number one position as usual, trading at $23,347, up just under 1% and is up 20% over the last seven days. Ethereum trading at $627, up 1.79% over the last 24 hours. XRP is down 11%, trading at 46 cents. Tether is down 0.01% uh, trading at a dollar, but it will soon sort itself out and be trading at a dollar as usual. Litecoin is trading at $110, up 2%. Bitcoin Cash is trading at $314, down 2.83%. Chainlink is up 2.71%, trading at $12. Cardano is up 3%, trading at $0.15. Cents. Binance Coin is trading at $33, up 2%. And Polkadot is trading at $5, up 1.56%. So remember yesterday, this was all red. Now we're all in the green, mostly anyway, apart from XRP and Tether, which doesn't really count. Bitcoin Cash is the only one to really take a loss over the last 24 hours. So far, that is anyway. This can all change by the time that you actually listen to this. But um, yeah, it has to be said, if you listened to me yesterday and you grabbed some of these cryptos whilst the price was down, you would now be in profit. You have probably heard in the news already that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, intends to sue Ripple over its sale of XRP. So, according to Fortune, the lawsuit will be filed in the near future, though no specific date has been provided yet. And it's being described by Brad Garlinghouse in an email statement. He said, quote, it's an attack on the entire crypto industry and American innovation, close quote. That was the Ripple co-founder I'm referring to. In another email statement, outside counsel Michael Kellogg of Kellogg, Hansen, Todd, Feigel and Frederick said, quote, This complaint is wrong as a matter of law. Other major, other major breaches of the US government, including the Justice Department and the Treasury Department's FinCEN, have already determined that XRP is a currency. Transactions in XRP thus fall outside the scope of the federal securities laws. This is not the first time the SEC has tried to go beyond its statutory authority. The courts have corrected it before and will do so again, close quote. So to me, it basically looks like the SEC are just looking for a reason to sue Ripple because if everyone else in the government agrees that they are a currency and not a security, then what are they doing? You know, are they not all government? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The SEC sometimes acts like, you know, a separate entity, like they're just a bunch of gangsters that do their own thing. You know, they were created after a stock market crash. And I don't know, you know, it's always it's always with that problem solution, um, the, pro the problem reaction solution thing. That's what the SEC is. If you've ever heard that saying before, um, that is the way that the system, as you would call it, puts in control, puts in these vehicles of control they create a problem they provide um they wait for your they wait for your reaction to the problem your reaction demands the solution that they already have ready for you and the sec was that solution and they continue to like show that you know even even in the quote that i said they said that uh, the courts have corrected it before and they will do it again that they make a habit of going beyond their statutory authority you know, maybe that was the whole reason why they were created in the first place, you know, to keep 
you know, everyone's the, the rich oligarchs, the rich billionaires, the globalists, all these guys to keep their interests um, sound and secure, make sure nothing happens to them, you know. But um, I was looking at some of the customers Ripple serves, and it's interesting because with their XRP currency, those clients include the likes of American Express, Santander, uh, MoneyGram, and that's just a few. So obviously, my logical conclusion is that maybe the SEC is just doing this to, you know, help their banking friends get rid of the competition so that they themselves, um, the bankers, that is, can do what Ripple is doing, which was these global financial services, which is what the establishment wants. This is XRP has been a serious competitor to the banks, you know, and it just so happens that, and we're going to go into that a little bit um, in another article that, you know, banks are being um, created left, right and center that are, you know, having custody of people's uh, cryptocurrency. And they are also creating their own stable coin so that they can do exactly what Ripple uh, was doing with XRP. Um, so, yeah, it, it just depends on what the judge says now, I guess. You know, either way, it does look like Ripple does have a strong case to defend themselves with because... All these other government departments, you know, the Treasury, um, I can't remember the other government department, but the, the Treasury definitely said that the that XRP is definitely a currency and not a security. So the SEC is kind of going against the Treasury by making this case. Who knows? You know, I, I don't really know how these things work in that much detail. I just have the facts, but they never make sense because this government, man, I don't know. These governments, they work in weird ways that, you know, all separate entities. It's like a bunch of people just arguing amongst themselves. But um, I can't imagine that the judge would deem XRP to be a security. You know, it just depends on how they work. So hopefully it's business as usual for XRP and the case is going to soon be over. I'm not the biggest XRP fan, but I just don't like the bullying tactics that I see going on here. This could happen to anyone. So I was just reporting on the traditional banks and XRP. The SEC is basically moving, looks like it's moving XRP out of the way so that traditional banks and other people can really do what XRP was doing, you know, take over XRP's clients in terms of transferring money all over the world uh, at much more efficient speeds, um, at, at cheaper rates, all of that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so Cointelegraph now is reporting that traditional banks are offering digital asset custody amid this compliance legislation that everyone's been scared about, you know? So this shows that they are literally taking the place of, um, you know, asset firms, crypto asset firms that were doing what banks now want to do, you know, which is to offer everything that crypto can offer and more. You know, they don't want to separate cryptocurrency from traditional banking. So the report reads, Miles Pancini, CEO of FV Bank told Cointelegraph, quote, banks are well positioned to provide secure custody and to provide banking services to enable a seamless experience. Puerto Rico just happens to be a mature financial services market, which is well positioned to authorize its licensed institutions to provide these, uh, these services to international clientele while adhering to requisite Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering requirements, close quote. So they just announced that they received permission from the Puerto Rico Office of the Commissioner of Financial Institutions to provide custody services for all major cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and Ether, along with support for ERC-20 tokens, which basically means every, almost every single other cryptocurrency that's out there, you know, so basically everyone. 
Um, some major banks, including Standard Chartered DBS Bank of Singapore and BBVA, have also added crypto services recently. In October this year, DBS hinted at three new offerings for clients, cryptocurrency trading, custody, and a platform for conducting security token offerings. Three months later, DBS established its cryptocurrency exchange division known as the DBS Digital Exchange. So again, if we were to look at the behavior of these banks right now on a macro level, it looks to me, it looks quite obvious, it doesn't take a genius. And if it does take a genius, I'm obviously not explaining this stuff very well. But it looks that there is a possibility that there's going to be some regulation in the US, maybe limiting people's ability to have self-hosted wallets. And I'm saying this because these banks, they look like they are preparing themselves to get ready for this opportunity to take over and to provide that custody for your crypto. And obviously, I really hope this isn't the case or that it doesn't work somehow or that people just decide to use the Nano Ledger S and other types of technology like that to hold their own crypto because there's that saying, you know, if you don't hold the private keys, then it's not your crypto. And that applies to this very well, obviously. There will be no point of cryptocurrency if it's all going to be stored in the traditional banks. It literally makes no sense. If banks are the only ones allowed to keep hold of our funds, we will literally just be recreating the same old financial system that we have now, just with blockchain technology. And Bitcoin in particular would have a very hard time separating us from financial institutions the way that it was intended to do, you know? Another step has been achieved today in making cryptocurrency fully mainstream. Wirex, the London-based cryptocurrency card issuer, has been made a Visa principal member in Europe. So what does that mean? Well, imagine having an app with multiple currencies. You go to do your weekly shopping and you can literally choose what currency you want to use that day. I personally can imagine a bunch of advantages to be gained from this, obviously, because when it comes to those fluctuations in price, these currencies are subject to, we can, you know, profit off of them a little bit more with this kind of thing. Um, the block reports that the membership allows Wirex to issue Visa cards itself, offer their own innovative products and apply for additional licenses. Visa principal members in general are authorized to act as issuing banks, meaning they can issue cards and provide transaction processing services. What's interesting is, Besides the debit card, Wirex also offers Bitcoin a Bitcoin rewards scheme called CryptoBack, which gives users up to 1.5% back in Bitcoin for every in-store transaction they make. And again, they now have the ability to make more of these schemes because they themselves are the card issuer. The question over the... Who has the store of value? Who has the better store of value, gold or Bitcoin? It is getting quite played out now because it's becoming quite flipping obvious <laughs> which is the better store of value, if you ask me. The critical advantage that Bitcoin has over gold is obviously that it's trustworthy. You don't need any intermediary or third party to make the thing work. All you do is put your trust into the algorithm, you look at the algorithm, make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do, and you leave it to do its thing. Algorithms don't lie. They are computers. They just they don't have any emotions. They don't have any ego. They don't have any hunger for money like these bankers do. They just do their job, you know? And um, these advantages of Bitcoin are becoming very, very, very obviously clear because the world's largest gold ETF, 
seems to be having a lot of trouble when it comes to accounting for the actual gold it is supposed to have in its reserve. Activist Post reports, the SPDR Gold Trust, GLD, have gone through six chief financial officers since 2014, which can indicate trouble. The last CFO, Laura Melman, left one day prior to the fund's financial year end. The World Gold Council, which is behind the SPDR Gold Trust, says her, quote, departure did not arise from any disagreements on any matter relating to the operations, policies or practices of the SPDR Gold Trust, close quote. However, Melman didn't sign off on GLD's annual 10K filing before departing, even though presumably she had the filing all but completed. Now, for me to just interject here, I would say that under these kind of circumstances, it's quite easy to speculate on this matter and think that she probably didn't want to have her neck on the line um, by signing uh, the 10K filing and saying that things are in place which are actually not in place, whether that's um, how much gold there is, the gold accountancy or, or something else, you know, but the fact of the matter is they're having a problem with people in that seat and that indicates some trouble. The World Gold Council has not commented as to why there is so much trouble retaining CFOs. This much turnover is often a sign of serious problems. That signature in question had to be made by Brandon Woods, who was actually in his first day on the job when he signed it. So to interject again, this is literally how the road works. This is how um, criminals behave. This is how criminals function. You have to get someone in that's willing to put his neck on the line to do what someone else isn't willing to do. That is how you protect the, the head of the castle and keep the ship rolling, you know? And I just say that to remind ourselves who the real gangsters are and who the real criminals are, because it's definitely not who the media displays it to be. It's these kind of people. So the longtime auditor of the funds, KPMG, didn't exactly inspire confidence in the 10K filing. The accounting firm flagged the filing with a critical audit matter. The auditor included the following explanation, or should I say excuse, quote, we identified the evaluation of the evidence pertaining to the existence of the gold holdings as a critical audit matter. Given the nature and volume of the gold holdings, subjective auditor judgment was required to evaluate the extent and nature of evidence obtained to assess the quantity of gold held by the custodian as of September 30th, 2020, close quote. So Activist Post has been kind enough to give us a nice, beautiful translation of those bullshit excuses. And they say, KPMG had to use subjective judgments rather than objective evidence and records when attempting to confirm exactly how much physical gold is actually held by the fund. Gold bugs have long questioned whether it can account for all of the physical metal represented as owned by the trust in its filings. The fund reports adding 348 tons of physical gold between January and July of this year. It appears as if a lot of the gold, 70 tons or more, was sourced from the Bank of England. Here's the concern. Skeptics believe the gold sourced from the Bank of England is not owned. Rather, it is leased and will ultimately need to be returned to the central bank. Another concern on top of the accounting issues is that HSBC Bank is the custodian of the gold. The bank stores GLD bars in its London vaults. That means owning shares of GLD requires placing your trust in HSBC Arguably one of the world's most crooked banks.
Futurism reports now that a team of researchers claim to have achieved sustained long-distance quantum teleportation for the first time. The research could lay the groundwork for a viable quantum internet, a network in which information is stored in qubits, is shared all over long distances throughout, sorry, through a process of entanglement that could transform the fields of data storage, precision, sensing, and computing, according to a Fermilab statement. Vice reports that the US Department of Energy has an ambitious plan to make use of these technologies and to build a quantum network between its national laboratories. Any field that relies on computers would be affected by the realization of this technology. I'm thinking Bitcoin. Though much of the focus of the future potential of quantum networks revolves around cryptography, search algorithms, financial services, and quantum simulations that could model complex pneumonia. Quantum teleportation is the transfer of quantum states from one location to another. Through quantum entanglement, two particles in separate locations are connected by an invisible force, famously referred to as, quote, spooky action at a distance, end quote, by Albert Einstein. And just to put a pause uh, in there for a second, let's just reaffirm some spirituality concepts here because the great mystics of our ancient past obviously knew this stuff quite well and spoke about it often when they were referring to the oneness of the world and saying that everything is connected. Spooky science is really this department of science we are hesitant to speak about because of the scientific implications that it would actually have on the rest of our understanding of the world. So the article continues, keeping this information flow stable over long distances has proven extremely difficult. This has been the main issue that has stopped this technology from really evolving and taking, taking over, you know, and being developed further. The previous world record was held by researchers at the University of Calgary, covering a distance of just six kilometers, as Vice reports. Researchers are now hoping to scale up such a system using both entanglement to send information and quantum memory to store it as well. In July, the U.S. Department of Energy unveiled a blueprint for the first quantum internet, connecting several of its national laboratories across the country. So, yeah, lots of new technology is going to be appearing in our world very, very soon. Though this is a very major breakthrough, it can be a little bit difficult to imagine what, actu what are the actual implications of this. I'm thinking um, our computer systems are going to become way, way, way more powerful and way more efficient at handling tasks. And this is at the same time that phones, laptops, they're all trying to develop different form factors. Um, this may play a role into that, you know, because I've been looking at the new Samsung Flip and different kind of laptops, different computing software. And uh, yeah, it can all it can all jump uh, 100 years ahead in time with this kind of technology. Obviously, another thing that came to mind was Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining because of the amount of computing power that it takes to actually make it profitable. A lot of people are obviously not interested in it now as they used to be because of how little profit it, there is to really be made from it and how much energy it takes to get that profit. So, you know, it's a cost benefit ratio. But once this technology takes hold, that whole industry is obviously going to be affected dramatically. It's, it might be very expensive, these quantum computers, but... Um, even the blockchain and uh, these, these sorry, not blockchain, but these mining pools, the biggest ones will probably be the first to get hold of any kind of technology. But um, yeah, it will be interesting to see over the next few years because the crypto world is still quite new in itself and has already had a major impact in the world. So with these new technologies appearing now, it seems we are literally only just getting started with this digital revolution. marks the end of another episode i know it was very very long 
compared to usual. It's usually only 20 minutes, but I hope you enjoyed it either way. Just tried to get as much relevant information in there as I could because a lot of things are going on right now. Um, not a lot of times I actually report on it. But yeah, like and share it. If you liked it, tell a friend to tell a friend. Have a good evening. See you back here tomorrow. Peace.